though we are staying apart, but we are in studio yeah, this morning. Porik, good morning to you. Good morning, and what a beautiful morning. Isn't it fabulous? Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's been a great spell. And, and this week in particular, uh, the growth has been great. You know, the, it has been kind of quite cool up to, up, to, up to this week, but definitely you can see a huge burst of colour and new foliage and things are growing. Yeah, there's almost a summery vibe, I think. There I is. Mean, I, I've been out walking uh, where I hadn't been doing that so much, but trying to get back into the swing of it this week and kind of was going out later, kind of after eight o'clock in the evening and just that bamminess was yeah. there. Now, I know it's not going to be long lived and things are kind of coming back maybe more towards uh, what it usually is at this time of the year, at least according to our forecast there this coming week. But oh my goodness, it has. I know while things are difficult for people at the moment, the weather has just been superb. Oh, it's been great. And great. definitely lifts the spirits. And great gardening weather. And um, so just to remind people, I did mention last week about the watering of plants and, and particularly plants in containers or newly planted plants. So if you have been in gardening and putting down, say, young seeds or planting new plants, new hedges, new shrubs, whatever, um, in the last number of weeks, or if you've got plants in pots and containers, do keep an eye on the watering. And uh, when we water, we water heavily and then leave it for several days. So you okay. don't need to be out there every evening watering plants. Um, you know, once a week, a good heavy soak is generally uh, more than adequate. So don't be tempted if you've planted new vegetables or herbs to be out every evening watering. That's not, you'll actually do more harm than good. So a heavy soaking, really, when you're watering plants, you're not watering the plant, you're watering the soil. So if you bear that in mind, that you, you actually water the soil around the plant, you let it soak in really well and um, leave it then for several days, you know, and, and, and anything up to a week. Plants in pots and containers may require maybe twice a week at, at most at this time of year. But do keep an eye on them because um, it, it is quite drying. And uh, But once you get down a couple of inches into the soil, there's still plenty of moisture there. So don't worry about plants that you've planted this time last year mm. or they've been in the ground for quite a while. There's plenty of water there for plants. So newly planted plants, plants in pots and containers, newly planted veg and herbs, certainly. But at the, at the other side, don't overwater either. Now with the rain coming, yeah, because how, how much rain are we going to get? Is that I don't think it's going to be a whole lot. Yeah, and uh, some areas probably won't see any rain at all in parts of Connacht. I think it's the southern parts of Connacht in particular. Munster are going to get some rain as well. Um, we ha- we do have a reasonable dew at night time. So if you haven't fe- if you haven't fed your plants, this would be the perfect day or over the next couple of days to feed garden plants in general. So trees and shrubs and hedging plants and roses will all benefit from a granulated fertiliser. If you haven't so, uh, fed your lawn yet, then I would do it over the next couple of days with that rain imminent. And even the heavy dew at night time will wash in granulated uh, fertiliser over a couple of, of nights. So it is a good time of year in general. And, and plants are actively growing at the moment. So this is the time to feed. We generally feed in April and we feed again in, in May for trees and shrubs and the more hardier plants. You're just kicking them back into growth. And this winter, because of the amount of rain that we've had, many plants are showing a lot of yellowing in the foliage because the nutrition has been washed away. I mean, when you think about it, last autumn and, and winter, it didn't stop raining since, yeah. since September. Um, so we, we tend to forget that. So the feeding of plants certainly should commence now. Um, the sowing of seeds, if you haven't been sowing seeds of vegetables or flowering plants, hardy annuals can be sown directly out of doors at this time of year. So things like English marigolds and white alisum and um, cornflowers, candy tuft, those sort of plants that tolerate a little bit of cold weather, 
but they can be sown directly into the garden soil. And even though the soil is, is um, dry, it's, it makes it very easy for sowing. Just give it a good watering after that and the, the little bit of dew and the rain that will come will help to bring those plants along as well. With the rainfall, we'll probably see more activity from our slugs and snails. So do keep have they an not eye. been as active? Oh, they have, well, they don't be as active when the when the weather is dry. They don't like to cross dry soil. They're, they tend to be nocturnal anyway. They come out in the evening and nighttime. And um, but once we get a bit of rain, then you'll find that they'll actually be more active and they'll feed do- during the day as well. So just keep an eye out particularly uh, for newly planted plants, plants like hostas and vegetable plants in general, just keep an eye out for slugs and snails. Use the organic treatments. There's plenty of them available online and um, they're very, very effective. Little and often is always my advice. Um, Again, it's the perfect time for sowing wildflowers in particular. So um, we'll see our dandelions and daisies and flower at the moment. So there are many wildflowers beginning to bloom, but this is the time of year in April when you can actually do something for Mother Nature. It was early birthday during the week on Wednesday and so if people want to kind of mark this week in particular doing something for the pollinators would be a great thing to do for our butterflies or or honeybees and and insects in general Um, and it's great to get them into the garden particularly if you've got uh, apple trees and flower I was actually admiring I was sitting out in my own garden last night and um, watching the the bumblebees visiting the apple flowers so the apples are just coming into flower at the moment and the bees are very active at the moment as well Um, they're also in your lawn the, the, the dandelions and daisies and, and uh, if you can allow those to flower for the next yeah, couple of weeks. Yeah, they are very prevalent now at the they moment. Are, they are, and, um, but, but dandelions are a great source of pollen, particularly for honeybees at this time of year, and nectar, I should say. And because you have them in your lawn, the bee doesn't have to work as hard because you can literally hop from one flower to the other within a foot, you know. So having dandelions in an area all right, is actually a very effective way for the bees to go and collect pollen and nectar. They don't have to fly too far. So if we can allow those to flower maybe for the next couple of of weeks and if you want to deal with them after that that would be the time to maybe control them um so they're the type of of uh, jobs to be doing in the right. garden i mentioned nora nora on food remember mm-hmm. we were chatting to nora a couple of um weeks ago so i'm actually going to see nora today oh brilliant so it's probably two weeks ago since she um i gave her a collection of various different plants now to remind listeners nora has just turned four yes she's <laughs> at the ripe old age of and if you want to to make your day Uh, get onto her Facebook page Nora on food she's brilliant at doing all sorts of foraging and uh, making up fantastic recipes and lots and lots of really good um, not just gardening information but cooking information from Nora so I'm actually going to visit her today and um, see what she's up to and hopefully record a little piece and we play it here Next week. Next week. Looking forward <laughs> That's to the plan. Looking forward That's to that. That's the plan. So yeah, hopefully. I've been following her on Instagram myself as well. So uh, uh, she's fantastic. Definitely looking forward to hearing that next week. Yeah, and we just see what she's up to, and she'll have some hints and tips and advice for us. Okay. Now we've got a huge amount of questions, okay. and people have been very busy. I'll tell you, since very early morning this morning, pouring. So we're going to take a break first of all. <laughs> um, if you do have questions, although uh, we'll try and deal with these as chronologically as we can this morning, you can uh, text or WhatsApp us to oh eight seven nine hundred forty one. 41, of course, but thanks to High Clean Antivirus Disinfectant from Hygieia for all non-porous surfaces. So stay safe with High Clean 087 941 or 0818 3055 if you're calling us and Sarah is working on the programme. We're going to deal with lawns in a collective sense and hopefully we're going to be addressing all those lawn questions in the one answer or at least uh, in, in maybe two or three bits of it. Um, 
they, we've been looking in advance, Pork. A lot of questions about lawns kind of dried out. Uh, lawns, well, the moss is obviously there, but it is kind of, I think people are treating that and how they go about that. Um, and lawns with different kinds of grasses in it. I see a few pictures in uh, where that's the issue. So okay. where do we go? And lots of questions in about sowing your lawns. So let's deal with, with what to do with your lawn at the moment. And the great thing is that, that everybody has cut their lawn at this stage. And probably some people have cut it on a regular basis uh, because everybody's at home. So, um, really the feeding of lawns. So what we've seen with lawns this spring is lots of moss and that's really down to the very wet winter. So do treat for that. So generally the steps are you apply the moss treatment first. So put put on the zero, just spray it onto the, the moss. It kills it overnight. Apply a lawn fertiliser and lawn fertiliser is different from then agricultural fertiliser in that they're slow release. So if you put on a good lawn fertiliser, it greens your lawn without making it grow and it helps it to fill in. And then if you do need to control any weeds, you do that a week to 10 days after you apply the fertiliser because the fertiliser makes the weeds nice and soft and more susceptible to a weed killer. So that's generally what you need to do. And most lawns need feeding this year simply because of the very wet winter we've had. Um, Regular trimming as well. So cutting the lawn at least once a week at this time of year just to keep on top of it because the more you trim it the thicker it gets and and the healthier it is as well. So that's the general treatment for lawns at the moment. Where you've got different types of grass in the lawn generally when you buy lawn seed it's like buying tea it's a blend of different species of grass so if you buy a a lawn seed like green velvet it's a mixture of five different grasses they're predominantly creeping or dwarf grasses and um, so they'll be slightly different in in, in different textures because you've five different varieties of seeds. Some some will be slightly thinner, some will be slightly greener than others. Um, so you in any uh, traditional lawn mix, it's always a blend of different grasses. Having said that, you'll often get wild meadow grass being seeded in from surrounding areas. And particularly if you're living in rural areas, you'll get normal scutch grass or wild meadow grass seeding in. And that can be coarser, more vigorous. It tends to be more dominant than your lawn grass. And where that's present, it can be difficult to eradicate because it is a grass at the end of the day and you can't treat it with a a herbicide to control it without affecting your lawn. So my advice there is regular trimming. Meadow grass doesn't like to be kept under control. It needs the freedom of a meadow to grow. So if it's mowed on a regular basis or if you rake it up with a a lawn rake and and cut it with the mower on a regular basis, that will help to weaken it and eventually uh, you'll manage it. If it's let grow to its own devices, naturally it's going to be more vigorous and take over. So regular trimming of the lawn. Now I'm not advocating that you skin the lawn. Don't be tempted to cut it bare. Allow your lawn to be at least an inch and a half in height. So you're topping it on a regular basis. Um, And again, feed it again in May. Give it its second feed in May. In terms of sowing new lawns, The weather is superb for doing all the groundwork. So some people are a bit concerned, Porik, that uh, the the ground the ground is too dry. Well, it, it it's a bit the, dusty and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So the soil at the moment is perfect for working the soil in terms of getting rid of any vegetation that's there at the moment, digging over the soil, rotivating it, picking out the stones, and preparing the seed bed. And that's what I would spend the time now getting it ready. If you do put, put lawn seed in, even though the weather is dry, it will sit there until it gets moisture. So it's not like the seed is going to go rotten or going to go off. Within a week or 10 days, we're going to have enough moisture to get that seed to germinate. So my advice would be to get the lawn in. If you're ready to seed, I would seed 
over the next couple of days because the rain is will come and even if the London seed is sitting there for a week or even a fortnight it won't go off it won't be destroyed but you've got the perfect conditions because if we get into a wet period it's very difficult to go back and sow the lawn mm. so the conditions are ideal for preparing the, so- the soil raking out the stones and getting in your lawn seed I do advise putting in a, pre- <laughs> a preceding fertiliser before you put on your lawn seed okay. so just before you you, you uh, scatter the seed get a little bit of uh, something like Osmo Pro 1 or a, a preceding lawn fertiliser it's a granulated feed you put it on before you put on the seed you rake it in and then put on your seed and that fertiliser then is the available but once the, ger- the grass germinates it'll push it on because grass can be quite soft and tender as it starts to germinate and if you put fertiliser on at that stage you run the risk of burning it so it's a good idea to put in what we call a preceding fertiliser it goes in the day that you're putting on the lawn seed or a day before if you wish just rake it in put on your lawn seed rake it in and sit back and let nature take its course which it will what you will always find in new lawns the grass will germinate and, lawn, and weeds will germinate at the same time. But you'll find that once you start mowing the grass, the, and many of the weeds will actually be eliminated because they won't take that regular mowing. So right. people often fresh when they, they see the lawn coming up, but they see a whole collection mm. of weeds coming yeah. as well. That's perfectly natural because you've disturbed, disturbed the soil. The weed seeds are there anyway, and they'll germinate along with the, with the lawn seed. But regular mowing during the summer will eradicate 80% or 90% of the weeds. It's just those few like daisies that are close to the ground that yeah. can be a little bit more Almost. difficult. Okay. So regular mowing during the summer and you'll have a fabulous lawn by June or July of this year. Okay. You can let the kids out. If you sow it today, you can let the kids out on the lawn certainly by the end of May. Okay, great. Now we've got a pictures, loads of pictures <coughs> in this morning. Uh, we're going to Laurel Hedge first of all. Um, actually, there's two questions on Laurel Hedges with photographs, but we'll go with this one first. Uh, it's a very woody one. We've looked at this. Um, so wondering, it's against kind of a fence. Um, how do we promote new growth to thicken it up? Um, and it's only this way in some sections. Now they don't tell us exactly how long that edge is um, but it's uh, it seems to be having to compete against some grasses. It is. There's a lot of grass and weeds at the base of, of the laurel and, and if you go to feed that plant you're only feeding the grass so the first thing is to is to get rid of all that grass and vegetation right at the base of, of the laurel. Um, so the laurel is having to compete first, to, first of all with, with quite strong grasses so get rid of those. You either uh, physically remove them, hold them out or, or take them out or put on a little bit of the weed free 360 right at the base of the laurel that'll kill off any of the weeds that are there without affecting the laurel the second thing it needs is a bit of a trimming back and a tidying up and then a good feed so again put on the Osmo Pro 6 fertiliser it's a shrub feed it's ideal for laurels at this time of year and many laurels around the country are showing lots of yellowing because again of the just the very wet conditions now it may also be Deirdre in this spot it looks like that area is quite wet as well mm. and laurels won't tolerate uh, being in waterlogged conditions during the winter period it tends to rot the roots they tend to go back a little bit become yellow in colour and um, hungry looking a bit like like they're looking in the picture there mm. so if the area is, is prone to holding water in the winter the listener would want to drain that area as well but first of all I'd get rid of the grass and weeds that are there and then give it a good feed give it a trim as well and that'll get it back into good condition good, uh, yeah okay yeah. so give it and give now it. is the time in general for trimming back of of the likes of laurel hedging or gristlinia hedging tidy them back now give them a trim give them a feed and um, repeat that then as we go into kind of the end of May 
early June. Okay, lovely. Now, Alva has sent us in a number of photographs, um, some works in progress and some uh, fairly blank spaces. So, Alva, I think we've probably answered your question there in relation to the, the laurel turning yellow. But also, one of the photographs is a plot of ground that has been reclaimed from briars and weeds a couple of years ago. So they killed the weeds last year. Uh, they don't want to have to be using chemicals again. So they're wondering, you know, what can they do now with that area? It's low maintenance and that will be good for wildlife. So it's quite a large um, yeah, it's green big, big area. Yeah. So it, it, that would lend itself to the planting up of uh, pollinating friendly plants. So things like buddleias, the, the buddleia, the butterfly bush. I was actually out for a walk uh, yesterday and, and um, I saw on a wall two buddleia plants physically growing out of the wall. That's how easy they are to grow. So the butterfly bush or buddleia plants grow anything up to five or six feet in height, something similar in diameter. They flower throughout the summer and they're a great source of nectar and pollen for um, both butterflies, honeybees and, and bumblebees and, and would be a great ideal uh, plant to plant in this area. Not only are they good for the bees, but they, they tend to spread out, so they tend to suppress weeds as well. Another great plant is a plant called Hypericum hidcote, which is a yellow flowering. It's St. John's Worth, and it produces big, bright yellow flowers from June right through till October. So it's a really long flowering plant, Hypericum hidcote. Again, it grows to about four feet, maybe five feet in height, similar diameter. So they're plants that actually, if you plant in clusters of threes or fives, will help to suppress the weeds, but also give the wildlife lots of uh, flowers to visit through the summer period. And generally for wildlife, particularly pollinating insects, you're looking for plants that flower over a long period. And Hypericum are brilliant for that. Single flowering roses, Rosa rugosa would be good as well. Buddleia is excellent. The Philadelphus, which is the mock orange, is a beautiful white flowering plant that bees love. So look for a, a range of different plants, maybe some that flower in autumn as well, some that flower through the early spring period, like Forsythii, the, the um, red flowering Ribase, the, the red currant is, is, is really good. Um, so there's lots of plants that will flower in, in early spring, summer and autumn. Um, and, and look for plants that are going to be quite vigorous, bushy in their nature, they need less care, they tend to suppress weeds and if you plant them in clusters of the same variety, they kind of take over an area. Okay. So, they, so you, they're all good. You'll have a bit of colour and you'll have lots of coverage for your yeah. wildlife as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Now, um, sorry, 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 uh, just clicked on the wrong button there for a second. Um, somebody wondering um, uh, about... Sorry, that's after going off me for apologies. Uh, a Ceratifolia hydrangea. Okay, not um, bad, not bad. <laughs> how, I, how far off hydrangea the Hydrangea ceratifolia. Ceratifolia means serrated leaves. Ah. So, so uh, good old Latin again. So where you see ceratifolia, um, it means that the leaves are, are either ridged or ribbed or serrated in, to some degree. So this is a variety of... High, sorry, what was the question? So the question <laughs> is that it's been set for five years and it's not making any progress. Okay, well, that's not uncommon for Hydrangea serratifolia. So it's a climbing plant. It's a it's a member of the Hydrangea family. There are a number of different varieties of climbing varieties. Serratifolia happens to be an evergreen variety, so it retains its leaf in winter. And like many of the evergreen hydrangeas, it takes a number of years it just sits there literally for three four five years and then starts growing so it's one of these plants that you just have to kind of be patient with so it's not like a traditional hydrangea bush this is a plant that will grow on a wall it self clings onto the wall itself but it takes it a number of years to actually get going so as long as the plant is healthy the leaves are nice and green. Give it a little bit of fertiliser this time of year. So again, I'd put on something like the Osmo 
Pro 6 now and repeated in May. But once it starts growing, it will actually take off. So it's just a little bit of patience. I know it's five years, but that is a typically uh, how hydrangea ceratifolia grows. It is slow growing. So as long as the plant is healthy itself, a little bit of feeding will encourage it on. I would guess that this year in particular, now that it's five years old, it'll actually start to clamber up the okay. walls. As it does, it's a good idea to pinch out the growing points to get it to spread out on the wall like we would do with any climbing plant. And ceratifolia has lovely white flowers in kind of late summer. They're kind of a lacy type of white flowering hydrangea. Okay. So something different. different yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, now I have five or six angel wing plants. Okay. Uh, long stems running along the ground. Can I cover these stems? Also, some of the leaves are damaged. What treatment might be required? Okay, well, this is a lovely plant. It's a plant called Senecio Angel's Wings. And it gets the name because the leaves are... They're in the shape of a wing or a, a kind of a large, quite a large, like a hosta leaf, big, big leaf, but they're pure silver in colour. Yeah, they're whitish. Oh yeah, they're a lovely little thing and it's evergreen. Um, now, it's it's not the hardiest of plants, even though it does tolerate seaside conditions, but if we get frost and kind of um, hailstones, it tends to get marked during the winter period. So you'll always get a bit of browning and a bit of marking at this time of year because the leaves have come through the winter and been damaged. Having said that, the new growth will replace any damaged uh, growth. So all the listener needs to do is just to tidy up the plant. They could prune back some of the stems, take off any damaged leaves on the angel wings and give it a feed, give it a liquid feed or a little bit of granulated fertiliser now and it'll be back up and in full colour again within a month. So it's a lovely plant, a lovely kind of silvery, Senecio Silver Wings is the name of the plant and it is a very distinctive, um, very, very attractive plant actually. It doesn't really flower, it's got small white flowers but it's mainly grown for its foliage colour. Okay. Now, uh, another photograph which we've had a look at, it's a weed. Uh, so Sheila's wondering if we could identify the weed and uh, give advice on the best way to treat it. Yeah, so it's cot's weed. It's, um, it's basically kind of got these silvery blue leaves on, on the foliage to get rid of it really um, you either hand pull it out but it is perennial so the roots will remain or else treat it with the weed free 360 and that will uh, a day like today would, uh, would be actually ideal to get that on and um, it'll kill it within 10 days week to 10 days Okay Now my cordyline tree which has produced an extra of five on one of the leaves or one of the sections has completely gone brown and I've taken them off does that mean it has failed? No, and I think we had something similar last actually, yes, week on cord lines. So, so the way cord lines grow, cord line australis, it comes to us from Australia and it is... Um the new, new new growth is evergreen, of course. So the new growth comes from the centre. It pushes out the older growth and the older growth always grows brown and they tend to look a bit tatty at this time of year. So it's really a matter of just taking off anything that's got brown or damaged over the winter. And that's due to age and also it's due to weather conditions over the winter. So the young growth comes from the centre. The older growth is out on the edges and that should be removed. So get a good sharp blade take off any of the um, damaged or brown leaves at the edges of the plant, give it a feed, and within a couple of weeks, it'll be back again. It, uh, cord lines are one of those really, really easy plants to grow. It'll end up like a small tropical palm, and um, it tends to fork or produce multi-stems as it gets older. So what the listener is describing is is perfectly natural. So take off anything that's dead, tidy it up, give it a feed, and it'll be perfectly fine. Okay. Now, uh, could you help us by suggesting what we could plant that would be quick growing to create some shelter from the wind around a patio area and some privacy from the road? Our site is very exposed and the patio is south facing. Okay, well, south facing is good. So plenty of sun, but exposure. So the plant that jumps to mind is, is Iliagna sabengii, which is a silver leafed, glossy leafed 
plant that's evergreen. Um, it we we generally recommend it for coastal seaside windy areas, so it tolerates the wind and the salt extremely well. And you can get those plants a meter high. So if you want to kind of start with something that's already kind of semi-established, um, so Iliagis abengia is one of those plants that will just tolerate the wind really well. It gives fantastic shelter. It's evergreen. It's easy trim. It's not particularly fast growing but having said that that's a good thing because it means less maintenance long term and so it'll put on about six to maybe eight to ten inches of growth per year and that's the one I'd plant or Grisselinia could be planted as well but the Iliagnus for me is it's a very attractive plant but it's very good for open exposed areas. Okay great Uh, just very quickly I'll give a time check and it's coming up on 28 minutes away from 10. Your time check on Midwest Radio with ORA Assessors Bannon Robe for all types of insurance claims storm damage fire and flood damage 0949541561 or oraassessors.com now, Porik, uh, somebody has two very tall rose bushes sowed since February. One is a hybrid tea and the other is a florabunda rose. One has a lovely, healthy head and with buds and leaves coming and the other has nothing coming on its head but shoots coming down the stem. And they're wondering, would that one do? Is it doing OK? No, I would, I, I'd would. say what the listener's describing there are the standard roses. So if you've purchased them with a clean stem and the roses, five or six stems at the top, what you've got is what we call a, a, a standard rose bush. It's, it's basically grass grafted onto the stem. So the stem and the actual uh, the, the rose part of the, the top part of the rose are two different varieties and where you see shoots coming along the stem they need to be removed now there should be new growth on roses at the moment so if there's not I'd be worried about the um, the plant that's not shooting maybe if the listener took a picture and whatsapped it into us um, so the first rose sounds perfectly good and healthy and, and doing well mm. but the other one sounds like the um, the actual joint or the graft has failed and you're getting the stem growing that'll only grow into a wild rose if you allow it to grow but maybe just to be 100% sure take a picture of it what, what's happening here to us at uh, 0879414141 and I'll have a look at it and, and just give you specific advice on it but it sounds to me like one of your roses has failed <clears throat> lovely now is it okay to unwrap my tree fern yet and is it too early to put out the red canna lilies Red canna lilies I'd keep in and we, we, there's a lot of questions in on dahlias as well and any sensitive plants, tomato, I see there's a couple of questions in on tomatoes as well. Don't be tempted to put plants out just yet. Any of those frost sensitive plants like canna lilies, dahlias, French marigolds, tomatoes, keep them in. The weather is to get colder over the weekend and into next week and we still there's still a risk of frost yet so they're better kept inside until the middle of May and even the latter part of May. Um, in, in relation to the tree fern, yes, I'd unwrap it now. Put some water into the fronds. So just unwrap it, tidy it up if there's any old fronds on it to, to just prune them back. And then to encourage new growth, put some water onto the crown of the tree fern. So right at the top of the tree fern, you put some moisture onto that for a couple of days and that'll just activate the fronds and they'll start to unfold. And that won't happen for another two weeks. So the risk of frost will be well past at okay, that Okay, so it's been wrapped up for the winter time. Is yeah, that these it? are tree ferns. So they're they grow like a tree and produce lovely long fronds during the, the late spring, summer, autumn period.
it. Um, so it grows like, I suppose, a, like a tropical fern or a tropical palm. Um, so you've got this nice clean stem and then the fronds unfold. And it's a good idea to cover them in wintertime with a bit of hessian or a bit of garden fleece to protect them from the frost and the, the misery of winter. Uh, but at this time of year in April, the growth is starting in tree ferns. So open them up and let them kick into growth again. Okay. <clears throat> now, Margaret has a question. She says, we set a variety of trees two weeks ago. They all appear to be growing apart. Uh, they all, all appear to be growing apart from five weeping willows and the little leaves seem to be dying. We've watered them well twice a day since they went in. What do you think we should well, do? Well, twice a day would be certainly way, way too much. And here's a good example, like when you're pl- when you're watering plants, remember, water the soil, not the plants itself. Um, so wet the ground really well. But a newly planted willow tree would require no more than a good soaking once a week. Um, so don't don't be overwatering. Now willows do love water, so I, I don't uh, I don't think that's the issue. Um, they should have broken leaf at this stage. Again, maybe it's one to send us in a, a picture of the actual plant, and I'll and I'll have a look at it at for you in more detail. Now weeping willows do produce their catkins first, their little flowers, so the furry little buds that come on the plant in in late March and April. Um, so they'll be starting to wither now. So that might be what the listener is describing as as the withering of the uh, so it's probably the catkins that are actually just going over now and the new leaves should be beginning to come you can check the stems as well if you scrape back the bark which are with a nail with a nail or with a, a scissors just scrape it back ever so gently and if it's green inside it's perfectly healthy if it's brittle and, and broken and will break in your hand then that part of the stem has died so just check that first of all but my guess is you, what you've seen are the flowers the catkins that come out in late February March April sort of period and they're dying off at this time of year and they come just before the leaves start to emerge but maybe send us a WhatsApp picture in and we'll have a closer look at it Okay, uh, but don't 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 be watering the trees twice twice a day. You're killing yourself and the trees. And the trees in the process. So, so once once a week, but but water heavily. Okay, <clears throat> now we have a young thorn hedge. It's one and a half meters high, nice and green at the moment. Great. I didn't trim it yet this year. I'm wondering, should I trim yes. it now? Yeah, yeah, trim it back, and and that's important for all uh, hedges, be it white thorn or laurels or. Grisselini, anything you're putting in, you should trim just the top and you you know, take only four to six inches off the top of them because that stimulates side growth and makes them lovely and bushy and, and um, thickens them out really well. So yes, do that today if you can. Okay, is there anything we can do to prevent birds taking the buds off plum trees? Not really. Well, Somebody has a pair of bullfinches. Bull, I was co- just going to say. It's <laughs> they're the causing trouble. And bullfinches do that. And look, at they're not going to take all the buds off the, off the tree. So um, let them have their... If there's only two then let them have their lot. <laughs> but but bullfinches bull are notorious for right. eating the flower buds on okay. plums and pears and even apple trees. But two are not going to. You'll still get plenty of flower and plenty of, of fruit off them. I mean, you can net them if you wish, but to be honest, you know, Maybe treat it as almost a pre-thinning process. Exactly. That's a, that's a very good way to look at it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the lady, I think it was a lady, uh, with the question about the Florabunda and the hybrid tea rose, one performing, one not, has sent us in the photograph for the it. Sh- and we've had a very quick look at it during the break so there's no new buds on it so that rose has has unfortunately passed away Okay, that needs to be replaced. replaced. Yeah, it's not going to reshoot now. It's it's definitely gone. I know because it's a fine big plant. It's a lovely plant. Yeah, yeah. And it is. It is a, a, a standard uh, rose bush. So it's it's two different plants that are grafted. The stem is a different variety to the actual uh, the few shoots at the very top. And what you'll find is the actual stem will kick into growth now because the top part has died. But you'll end up with a wild 
uh, vigorous uh, rootstock that really will be unattractive. So my advice is to replace it, to be honest. Okay, do we, so there's a couple of questions about spraying the roses as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That needs to start now because the, the green fly are definitely out and about. I mentioned that last week. They really love the sort of heat. Uh, prevention is better than cure. So my advice really, if you've pruned your roses and you've them fed and they're growing really well, then start the, the rose clear or rose rescue on them now. And it's a good idea to alternate them. So generally about once a fortnight at this time of year and both of those have the um, fungicide to protect against the mildew and the black spot and they'll control the pests as well. Okay, uh, actually that lady has sent in uh, the picture of the healthy rose right. and there's quite, the there's quite a difference. The difference. Alright, yeah, thanks yeah, indeed yeah. for sending no, all the photographs Roses should be well, well on their way at this stage. Yeah, okay. Uh, now, um... Uh, sorry, I have two camellias, one flowered, the other didn't. Might there be a reason for this? I uh, know the camellias can take um, can take several years to flowering. As long as the plant is healthy, it's nice and green and glossy. The, we're really into the time of year for feeding camellias and rhododendrons and azaleas to build them up for next year. So continue to feed them. Use the ericaceous fertiliser in a liquid form or granulated form now. But camellias can take up to five or six years to settle down to, to flowering. To so okay. it's nothing to worry about. Now, there is quite a question, a few questions in about leather jackets as yes. well and holes in lawns. So we're going to presume that it is the leather jackets Lots that are causing that. We- and pictures even in uh, on a spade. I see two of them here. Right. Uh, <laughs> So examples, so, yes, specimens. The, yes, so we're mm. confirming the, 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 the grubs on the spade are leather jackets. They are leather jackets, yeah. And again, leather jacket is the larvae of the daddy long legs. And you see, because the winter or the autumn was so wet in September, we've got lots of leather jackets laying eggs in lawns at this time of year. You'll also find them in your shrub borders and beds. And it's not just in lawns that you get them. So typically they're they're small, about they're about an inch long, kind of rubbery in texture, kind of a greyish, brownish colour. Um, they're very distinctive. And um, the, the treatment really for them is uh, to use the nematodes in May. So it's too early yet. The weather, the, the temperatures are, are, the soil temperature is just too cold at the moment. They won't work effectively till May. So about another two weeks, you simply mix the nematodes in water and apply them to the area and they'll kill them off. And the nematodes are totally pet and child friendly. They're very safe to use. They're organic in nature. And basically they hunt out the the leather jackets and kill them off and um, keep on doing that until the infestation is gone. So they live off the leather jackets. They're parasitic by nature. So about the first week of, of May, first or second week of May, the nematodes, I let people know when they're available. And um, remember, those leather jackets are there since last autumn. So another week or two will, will make all the difference. Yeah. And no. the nematodes are perfectly safe around 100%. children, around, pla- around animals. And uh, somebody wondering, they bark mulch down. Will you get them down through Just, the bark mulch? Yes, you well, you simply just wash them onto the soil. All the commercial growers are using them now for controlling pests in strawberries and in vegetable plants and so on because they're totally organic by nature. They're, they're actually natural predators, but they've been just, um, I suppose, commercially developed now to, to come in a packet, as it were, and you simply mix them in your washing can or sprayer and apply them to the area. So they're totally safe to use. All the organic growers will use them in, instead of using pesticides. OK, somebody has a miniature cherry tree in a pot and- and uh, they, it's not growing at the top of it. Sucker is coming out yeah. uh, of the bottom in the pot. We had a look at this we one did. as well. And again, cherry trees are grafted onto a rootstock, a bit like, very similar to the question on the rose. And um, those plants have failed. Don't put them into the ground because you'll end up with the suckers growing. So they're for the bin. 
Okay. Now, um, what do I do with hellebores? They seem to be finished flowering. Can I move them and will they grow in pots? Yeah, so the thing to do with hellebores, they're they're flowering since, again, Christmas really and they flower right through Easter. They're called the Lenten Rose. There's two different varieties. The the, the Christmas Christmas one. There's the Christmas variety that flowers any time from kind of November onwards and you've got the Lenten Rose which flowers at at Easter. Um, Both are pruned back at this time of year so they get a bit tatty at this time of year so cut them back to within three to four inches of soil level dig them up split them if you want if you want to divide them and and, uh, propagate them you can certainly put them into pots or you can put them into other areas of the garden and within a month or six weeks they're going to be back up with new foliage again so you get rid of all the old leaves the old stems just cut them back with the shears and literally you can leave them in situ if you wish or you can lift them pot them up um, and divide them and put them into other areas of the garden so it's really kind of a case of tidying them up now they've had their season and they'll put on lots of new growth then during the summer Okay, somebody's just sent us in a picture of their bee motel uh, oh, that, that has been placed in amongst some wildflowers that have been sown. So that'll be super yeah. duper uh, in another so month easy or to two. Make, yeah. Are poppies good for pollinating? Poppies are great. They're absolutely uh, perfect and you can sow them from seed now um, at this time of year. The Californian poppies in particular, those single flowering uh, and they're beautiful when they come into flower. There's a whole range of different oranges and yellows and pastel colours. So sow the seed now directly into the soil. They'll germinate within a couple of weeks. They'll be in flower for July and they'll flower through to the rest of the summer and they often set seed as well so they'll come back up next year again but it's a good time of year in general Deirdre for sowing wildflower seed varieties like Nature's Haven you can get them online at the moment sow them directly into the garden soil and you've got yourself a, a wildlife uh, Beautiful, beautiful colours. Yeah. And, you yeah. have, and you've got a bit of everything, everything going on there. It. And the yeah. bee motels are just wonderful little things, I think. Um, now, I have a small garden with grass in it. Do I have to dig it or just burn it because I want to sow potatoes and pumpkins? Well, you, well, you, interesting and pumpkins. Wow, and potatoes are great to to um, to put into new ground in particular because they, they help to kind of break it up and and things. So, um, what I would do is is cut the grass if it's only a small area. Cut the grass really tight. Um, you can treat it if you want, but but you could just simply just dig it over and dig o- bury the grass into the soil, into the garden soil, um, before planting the potatoes. So, yeah, the, you can either do do either or either. You can simply just shave the grass really tight, dig over the soil start planting straight away or you can treat it with something like the weed free and within a week you can dig that soil as well I have a small patch of wild bluebells and there are two pure white ones in it is this unusual? No no you can get a a white bluebell as it were they're they're certainly not as common as the um, as the blue flowering variety but they come in white as well Um, and again bluebells are absolutely beautiful at the moment when they go out of flower again if you want to divide them and, and move them to other areas that's the time to do it and same with your daffodils if you want to move them now this is the time of year to dig them up and transplant them so wait for the bluebells to go out of flower uh, at the end of about the middle of May and then you can move them What is the cause of the tips of young liquid amber trees dying off? Well, remember that liquid amber and even plants like Grisolinia, when they produce new growth and if you get cold weather at this time of year, which we've had, they'll often burn the tips of the the new growth. So kind of browning and scorching on new growth at at this time of year is down just to the cold weather and frost at night time. It's nothing to worry about. Liquid amber will kick back into growth again. Even cold wind will call them to scorch because the leaves are so tender at this time of year and they can get damaged just physical cold and wind damage will damage them. Nothing to worry about. Give it a feed. It'll be perfectly fine. Okay, brilliant. Um, Can you grow a tomato plant 
from a tomato seed. Oh, you can, in, you can, yeah. of course, yeah. Now, you don't know the variety you're going to get. So you can literally get a, a shop-bought tomato or, or tomatoes, um, you know, any tomato, and just literally take the seed out, just pulp them and take the seed out and sow the seed. Having said that, you could end up with anything. Okay. <laughs> because, it, you know, it, you're not... so. The, <laughs> It's a tomato adventure you're going to yeah, be on, so, listener. Yeah, so typically you would you would buy or you would sow the seed of a named variety like Tumbler or, or Alicante or Shirley or Moneymaker, the old traditional tomatoes. But having said that, if you just want a bit of fun with the kids, take a few seed from a tomato and sow them. And that applies to pumpkins and melons and apples. Anything. Apples, anything. They're all seed at the end of the day. Um so great now we have a picture of a mahonia in uh, it's out in the countryside um, but in a garden obviously it, I think it needs help says Mary uh, do I need to cut it back now or can how can I help it yeah so I, I pruned my own mahonias only last week there we go. Um, so mahonia generally flowers in winter early spring so at this time of year they're, they're kind of they get a bit tatty the old flower buds uh, the little seed is forming on the tops of them so they benefit from actually a trimming back now at this time of year so I cut mine only literally last week give them feed and they'll produce lots of new growth and it kind of you get rid of that old marked damaged um, stems on the plants and the old flower buds as well and it helps to thicken up the plant and produce more flowers for next year so give them honey as a trim yeah go on so, and, and many of the spring flowering plants so what I cut in my own garden were the mahonias I cut back the forsythia, the yellow flowering forsythia, the red flowering ribes, um, some of the winter flowering honeysuckle. So spring flowering plants that have gone over flowering, like the heliborus, now is the time to cut those back, give them a feed and you'll build them up for next year. Okay, now uh, mm. the grass has been treated for zero, uh, but my beautiful flowers, fritillaria, are yeah. looking very sad. Uh, they were beautiful this year. So are they just, is it time for them to die off? Yeah, well, there... fritillarias would, they flower in early, kind of, either flowering March, uh, early April sort of period. So, um, Might the, be just coincidental in terms of time. They'll be going off anyway from, from now on. So the, um, you know, just let them die yeah. back naturally. One isn't necessarily affecting the other. No, no, no. Uh, I have an arch at the rear of the house. This is a honeysuckle and ivy climber on one side, or there is a honeysuckle and ivy climber on one side. Now, the ivy is dying, so I'm just inquiring, might the honeysuckle be killing the ivy? Asked somebody in Claremont. Um, I don't, I don't, think so. Um, they haven't sent us in a picture, have they? No, they haven't. No, so um, I mean, ivy is, definitely ivy is a lot slower growing than honeysuckle and, and honeysuckle would be definitely more dominant but having said that, ivy is as tough as old boots so it may have got some physical damage. Maybe check the stem, go down further along the stem and see has it been damaged in any way. Um, it sounds more like that than anything else. Um, no, there'll be naturally a little bit of competition between the two plants as well and having, you know, honeysuckle is that little bit more vigorous. You could feed both, give a little bit of fertiliser to both at this time of year but um, the ivy the honeysuckle shouldn't it won't you know it won't um, kill the ivy as such I think the ivy will survive and come back for you but just check the stem to see has that been damaged Okay First time person with early potatoes do they grow faster than say queens and when planting them in a ridge how far apart should I sow them? Okay so it depends on the variety but British queens are a second early they're generally the British queen is the Wexford potato you see on sale on the side of the road from kind of early June onwards um, so varieties like Sharps Express Duke of York they're all first earlies and they tend to come in about two weeks earlier than British queens so um you know, maybe expect okay. them a week or, or 10 days earlier than the British Queens. But uh, to be honest, if you plant both together, 
they'll be very similar in terms of harvest period. Okay. A couple of questions in relation to tomatoes. Uh, I see tumbling tom tomato seeds. I sowed them a month ago. They're growing well, but they're pale in colour. And other people wondering about putting them out. Don't put them out. Don't. The frost is going to hammer them if you put them out. Um, even in a tunnel or a greenhouse, you do need to just keep an eye that at, at particularly frost is promised to cover them at night time. Okay. So just be careful with tomatoes. It is tempting to put plants out. But don't. You know, but don't. Just okay. hold on a second because we can be back into cold weather very quickly. I have a flowering currant bush which instead of growing upright has tilted forwards and is now growing forwards into the garden and occupying a significant amount of space. No. <laughs> it's currently flowering. Can I cut it back when it stops flowering yes. or do I need to wait until the autumn? No, 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 no. As soon as, and that applies to all spring flowering plants, as soon as the flowers start to go, so camellias, uh, cherries, any of our spring flowering plants, like I mentioned, the, the uh, yellow forsythia I cut back myself. So the, the red currant, as soon as it goes out of flower, don't wait two weeks or three weeks, cut it as soon as it goes out of flower and give it a good hard trimming back and reshape it. Okay, great. Uh, somebody has a weeping beech tree. Lovely. They notice the leaves are growing at the ends of the branches, but not over the branches themselves as such. It was the same last year. Is there a way of encouraging leaves over the whole bush or Just the whole tree? The only way really is to is by pruning it back and beech ha- it has the ability to reshoot again. So you can still do it at this time of year. You could shorten back the stems. Like naturally on any tree, the, the sap goes to the outer edges of the stems because it's encouraging new growth. It wants the tree to 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 produce new growth right at the very tip. So that's typical of all plants. But to to encourage that, you could shorten back the stems. So prune maybe two or three feet off the ends of the of the uh, beech and it will reshoot and regrow again. Uh, so you'd encourage new, new buds and new growth along the bare par- parts of the stem. Okay. Why might rhubarb be going to seed? Well, rhubarb will go to seed if it comes only under any form of stress and the stress it's getting at the moment is... Uh, dryness. Dryness, exactly. So there you go. <laughs> Gold star for me. And rhubarb, rhubarb in particular needs lots of moisture. So again, going back to what I was saying about watering plants, put the hose on the rhubarb patch, go in for a cup of coffee and maybe have your dinner and then go out and turn it off. So leave it running for maybe an hour. Um, you know, give it a good heavy soaking. Remember, we're watering the soil, not the plants, and uh, that'll stop it from going to seed. If it's producing seeds, flower stems and seeds, cut them off and give the rhubarb a little bit of a feed as well. So it's just down to a stress. All plants, if they come under stress, start to reproduce. Okay. Uh, we have a cherry tree, pink flowers, about two years of flowers. Why won't the tree fully flourish? It's a bit on the shock side. Well, uh, well a good feeding will, will, will certainly help. It's only two years old, is it? Uh, about two we have about only a few flowers sorry they, oh, yeah. yeah sorry they, they, they mis- it, depends. it depends on the age of the plant like cherries will take a number of years to settle down to flowering um, if it's kind of not growing well then certainly feeding it will help and that should be done at this time of year growth will start as soon as the flowers start to, to fade so feed it now feed it again in May maybe early June and that will help to boost it on they're generally very easy to grow Okay, and uh, just trying to not re-redo re, re questions that have already been answered. Uh, I have an apple tree overflowing with flowers. When is the best time to thin, thin it out? Well, it's the, no, let, the, let the bees do their business now and let the fruit start to form. And then about the first week of June, you can do some... Trees go through a natural... Um, they abort the, some of the, the young fruits anyway. We call it the June drop. So leave them alone until you actually see the little fruitlets falling on the ba- around the base of the tree, which will happen in June anyway. Nature has a way of thinning the fruit. And then... 
at that stage you can determine whether you need to thin the fruits anymore. So let it flower, let it begin to bear its fruit, wait for that June drop to occur and then about the middle of June start thin out the clusters of fruit to maybe two or three apples at that stage. So don't do it too early. Okay, great stuff. We're going to have to leave it there. I'm afraid we're out of time, Borek. So remember, our, our um, the, the website is still open. Garden centres still remain closed. Oh, yes. Um, we're hoping that after the May Bank holiday, the department will allow us to reopen again. Okay. That's that's the wish. And But having said that, we are on, o- online, horkins.ie. We do a home delivery um, through DPD. So if people want to order anything, go online. Okay, brilliant. Listen, thanks a million. See you next week. Yep, talk to you next week. Thanks for all the questions. Apologies to those we just didn't get to, but it was just one of those busy programmes. Stand by, Michael Neary is coming your way directly after the news at 10, the very best in country, right through until one o'clock this afternoon here on Midwest Radio. From me, Deirdre Kelly, good morning to you.